All right, Trinity Church, how are you doing today? Good, you made it. You got uh, service times figured out. Uh, it's great to see you, especially if you're a guest with us today on a Sunday where all kinds of changes going on. Uh, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, we thought we'd go big with change today. Even our service, we're kind of changing up some things that we normally do. I got a haircut, all kinds of things, right? It's just... <laughs> All kinds of crazy are going on, uh, so big change today. But let me tell you what we're doing. We, we shot this over the bow last weekend, and I think most of our services, that we're doing something today called a series response. And where the idea came from, uh, a church that many of you know well, Evangelical Free Church of Fullerton, EV Free, um, is uh, a church that we appreciate. We have friends at, the lead pastor is a friend of mine named Darren. And I was on their website a while back, maybe six months ago, and I noticed that they did something called a series response. And I'm like, what is that about? So I started doing a little bit of homework, emailed Darren, he got back to me. And it's just a really cool idea of saying, you know what? We, and instead of just continuing to sit and listen, we want to give at the end of a series, not every series, but occasionally, an opportunity for you to respond in numerous ways. And so today is our first kind of movement, that direction, to try that out and see what that looks like. And we're glad you're here with us. First service went awesome of just kind of being able to say, you know what, I, I want to respond in multiple ways. And today that is going to be available to you. So here, let me tell you from the beginning, for this first part in our service, we want to actually give some of you the opportunity to say, hey, this is what God has been doing in my life. This is what God has surfaced. This is what's motivating me to live now in light of eternity related to what this series has been about. And we're going to actually have, we've got Jared and Paul that are here in the room that are going to come around with mics and give an opportunity for some of you to share. So be thinking about that if you want to share. But until then, let me jog your brain a little bit. Let me just do a quick review as to what we've been doing these last eight weeks as as we kicked off this series called After This Life. It actually began, if you can go back that far, Easter was eight weeks ago. And as we started that series, sorry, Todd can't flip and do this with one thumb. So there we go. Um, but we kicked off this series on Easter Sunday and we talked about the only reason we have any hope at all is because of what Jesus accomplished at the cross in the empty tomb. And we started out Easter Sunday, obviously talking about the resurrection. And we say often, everything changed at the resurrection. But this series has really amplified that idea that absolutely we would have nothing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, that aside from Jesus' death and resurrection, you have no hope beyond the grave. But Jesus' resurrection and his, his death completely flipped that upside down and gives us now, rightly so, when we place our confidence and trust in him, indeed, accurately the hope of heaven. So that's kind of how we kicked off this series. The next week, our friend Eric Taunas, professor at Biola and pastor in La Mirada, Eric was here and did a great job just kind of laying out everything about heaven and hell. Everything about heaven and hell flows from his character from who God is. And so when we think of the grandeur and all the promises of heaven, we think of what is redeemed, that God is making all things new, that there is grace upon grace. What's also true of hell is that God's character of being just and being righteous and being holy will also always provide that reality as well. And that's why we were kind of answering the question that day, why is there even a hell in the first place? And the reality is because it's consistent with the nature of God. The next week, Bill Bourne did a great job preaching. He had a hard question to answer. Who will go where based on what? 
and did a great job just unpacking out of Matthew 25. What Jesus doesn't really tell us is a parable, but he sets off this idea of the sheep and the goats and how all of people will be uh, divided into one of these two groups based on the reality of the outpouring, the evidence of what they did with Jesus. We found out that week there's no third category. There's not another place to be divided into. There was one of two, and that, again, was a powerful week just considering how important it is to understand and respond to the gospel. The next week, we talked about the judgments of God, and we said literally that there's two that we focused on, the great white throne judgment of God, where all humanity will stand before God. The books will be open, and the books will be bad news. The books will continue to demonstrate how we have fallen short of the glory of God. But the great news is what we loved in Revelation 20, God is the God of the other book. Yay, God. Yay, God. And the only thing that will be in this other book are names, not pedigrees, not the idea of of having a, a resume that's sewed together, but instead a name of people like you and me who've been found in Christ not because of anything we could do to earn or merit God's goodness, but because of what Jesus did on our behalf and our simply our trusting in what he did for us. And the other judgment we talked about that day was one that often in our just Christian culture we don't talk enough about, and that's what the Bible calls the Bema Seat Judgment found in 1 Corinthians 3 in 2 Corinthians 5. And we talked about how believers will stand before God and give an account. How did you live your life? What did you do with this great news of Jesus building on the foundation of who he is? And we talked about how important that is to consider in our everyday world. We talked about the next week about what God's word tells us people will be doing forever, whether it's around the throne of God in heaven or for those who will be separated from God, what that the Bible teaches, the Bible reveals to us what that experience will be like as well. And we talked about how important that subject is because often for us in our Christian subculture, we have taken um, the advice or we've taken the direction of what the culture has said heaven is like. And we've said that is absolutely Absolutely unattractive. Absolutely something that doesn't draw our hearts. The idea, idea of being in white robes with little wings, with little harps on little clouds. I just realized everything's little about that. Um, but there's nothing that we've said that sounds a lot more like hell than heaven. So why would I be drawn to that? We said, man, it's powerful when we unpack scripture and we see what God's word has to say about this really this great new experience, these great new bodies, this great new nature that will be surrounding the throne of God, living in the new heaven and the new earth. And we said, that's a, a powerful thing to spend time on. The next week, Hilke did a great job of talking about our living hope and how the reality is, is that because when we raise our gaze, when we look up to what God has promised us, it gives us the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the next. As hard as life may be, we take the the advice, as it were, the lifestyle of so many followers of Jesus that have gone on before us that have said, hey, I don't care how hard this gets, heaven is my home. And he did a great job unpacking that from First Peter. Last week, I let you set the table for what we were going to talk about. I responded to five questions of the many that you submitted and just kind of walked through. This is what we, the Bible teaches on the areas of interest we have. Among those, we talked about things like what kind of a, a will, a free will will we have in heaven, as well as things like will the punishment of hell be eternal or not? 
So we've looked at a lot over the course of this series. But I want to say this. I want to remind you and me of an important thing. We said from the very beginning, and we've said it every single week, the purpose of this series was not to learn new interesting facts. I've actually been a part of or, or witnessed, been in the, the audience for other series on heaven and hell. And I don't know if anyone ever stated that, but that's sure how it came across. Here's new things to know about heaven and hell, which I just go, you know what? That's great, but that's not actually what the, the reason why I think God includes understanding a revelation of heaven and hell. It's to motivate us now to live in the present with our eye on eternity. And that's what we've been about. What is a, a motivating thing out of this series that is helping you and I live out better our mission of being rooted and reaching in this life? So that's what we want to do, actually. We want to take a couple minutes today to hear from you. Uh, obviously, not everyone will share, uh, but this is how it's going to go. Jared's on this side. Paul's on this side. I'm in the middle. And what we're going to ask you to do, if you'd like to share something about how this series has been a motivation for you in the present based on the, your eye on eternity, we're just going to ask you to stand up and go to the edge of, of your row, and one of us will find you there with a microphone. This is what we're going to do. We're going to hold the microphone. Okay, for two reasons. Sometimes people don't let it go, but the other reason is is that we're going to hold it close enough so we can hear you. First service, we found that out that we actually couldn't hear you really okay in here, but out on the plaza where some people are gathered, that was a challenge. So let us hold the microphone, and we'll hear from you. And that's what we're really circling around. What has been helpful to you in this series that has been motivating you to live a life on point, on mission, in the present, in light of of the future? future. Okay. So if you want to go and go first, you can go ahead and stand up. I know it's always challenging. The first person is like, Ooh, breaking the ice, but go ahead and do that and uh, find your way to an edge of an aisle. And then it will come and find you. Who'd like to go first today? Is that you, Ken? Ken's, co- Ken's coming to do her. Jared, he's like, I'm not messing around. When you get the mic, when we come up to you, by the way, let us know your name and then just go ahead and share after that. I'm Ken Fry. Uh, A phrase last week was leaning forward. And I was kind of a hot mess last week. It was so cool. Um, My parents became believers when I was real young. And one of the things that um, really affected him was the thought of Jesus coming back. He never expected to die. He was leaning forward. And we had a sign on our big garage that said, perhaps today. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. It's great. Someone else, something from this series that's been helpful to you, motivating you in the present as you keep your eye on eternity. Yeah, over there, Paul. Hi. Norm Canold. Um, last week, uh, Pastor Todd, uh, you gave a, a sermon, and I wanted to make sure I understood it correctly. But one of the big motivators for many people, I think, is to be able to see in heaven your, your family again. And I think you mentioned something that while we'll all be born again and have a new spirit, we will be known, I think is what you mentioned. Does that imply that we will know people that we knew here on earth. Yeah, it's a super question, right? And that's a good one that we want to ask. Sometimes I feel like when we're at a funeral and we'll hear someone 
kind of talk uh, about that person, that's almost like the biggest thing that we're excited about is seeing them, sometimes even eclipsing seeing Jesus himself. But the idea is, is that true? And I really do. And I think when I look at the risen Jesus, that's our best example. Remember that when, you, when your mind goes to what will our new bodies look like or what will that experience be like? Jesus is the first fruits. We talk about that in 1 Corinthians 15. So the things that he experienced and, and even that short amount of time that we have in the gospels of the risen Jesus is a really good, I feel like a good template for us to kind of use to think about what our future is. And everyone he interacted with, though it took a little bit of time, people weren't expecting to see him alive. They recognized this is Jesus. He recognized them. They interacted and had a great connection. So yeah, I really do believe the Bible gives us that evidence. And then when we even think about, well, haven't we all said, when I get to heaven, I want to meet, right? And if people couldn't be known, then it would just be, well, you look great. Let's talk to you. You know, it's kind of not even having, being able to have that context. So I really do think there's going to be that kind of connection that we'll have with one another. Yeah. What else? What's been helpful to you? A motivation? Yeah, I'm coming over here. Go ahead and tell us your name. My name is Arden Adele. And as you can tell, I had a stroke in July. And if you want people to come and visit you, just have a stroke. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've had so many people call me or come and visit and been so encouraged. And I thank you for that. Um, People I didn't even know have been so kind to me. Um, (laughs) My daughter-in-law, who does not attend church, stood at the end of a bed at my uh, hospital bed and said, do you want to see God? (laughs) I guess she thought I was dying. (laughs) Because I said, yeah, I do. I'm going to see God. I'm going to see Jesus. And I'm going to see my father again. (laughs) <laughs> who died when I was 14. So I, I just wanted to take this thank you, time to thank you for being such a loving church to me and my husband, Lee. That's great, Arden. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Hi, my name's Michael Lumpkin, and uh, I've been attending here for a little over a year, I believe. And uh, I just want to say that I think this whole thing on the eternity is really awesome and long overdue for people to honestly hear the truth and know what's going to happen. So where do you want to go? All right. Thanks, Mike. All right. Over here. Do you want to come to the end of that row? My name is Greg Hall, and one of the things this uh, eternity uh, has done for me is I've looked at it, and I realized that not only is Jesus coming one day, but one day, if he's not coming, we have to face him sooner. And we were made for eternity. And in that light, our lives are short. And so we don't have time to not redeem the time. That's great. Thank you, Greg. Someone else. You guys are doing a great job on the camera, by the way. <laughs> it's like, how do I, where do I go? Yeah, come on down here. Hi, my name is Brent Mason. Um, 
I've appreciated the focus of the series in that um, Revelations is kind of a really fun, exciting topic. You mentioned that, and um, I can remember you made reference back to you know, 80s and stuff when it was very in vogue and you know, top 10 Christian bestsellers list, that kind of stuff. And that, while that's true, it's interesting to see it really needs to be motivating for what we're doing um, with our our Oikos. <laughs> and uh, that, uh, and that's, that's a good focus and reminder to me that um, these things need to be pushing us that direction. That's awesome, Grant. Thank you. Someone else. Just something that's been helpful, motivating to you during this series. We'll just take a couple more. We'll get you next, okay? She's like, I didn't think I'd have to go for a walk to share. It's like, come on, come to me, Jared. My name is Jan Miller, and I've walked with the Lord for a long time, and I've been in this church for a long time. And whenever this comes up, I always listen as hard as I can, but I feel like I can never get enough information because I always have this um, pull in my life of uh, working it out with my sins are as far as the east is from the west and giving an account of my life. And how does that, you know, all work? And um, I'm, get, I'm getting better, but after all these years, that's still my little struggle that I have. And because it seems like if you're not doing the right things with your life, that's sin, but yet I'm giving an account of my life. And so I promised I listened as hard as I could, (laughs) but it's always that struggle. Do you have any nice little way to just kind of sum that up for me? No, it's a great question, yeah. Um, But I would say this. I appreciate what you're saying. We often think of sin related to the sins of commission, things I do that are against God's design. We rarely think of the sin of omission. Right, things I'm called to. I realized it. I'll be quick. I realized it when I was uh, right out of college. I was a, a Christian school teacher my first two years. And I remember writing on the board with a group of high school seniors uh, about the things about our lives that should reflect uh, who God is, that there should be an, an obviousness about our walk with the Lord. And I'm writing this thing on the board, and I'm realizing everything I'm writing is what I'm not doing. And it, I just paused And I had this moment in front of 20 high school seniors who thought it was getting a little weird when I just kind of put down my pen and I sat there and thought about it going, God, I'm basing a life that you're going to reward or not be misseat judgment for those in Christ. It's a great question. I'm basing all that on simply what I'm not doing. And it was a powerful moment to stop and think about, God, what do you have me here for? And is it more than just avoiding things? Or it is engaging in things. And that was a real pivotal time for me. I've shared in this series about that other time when I was early in college and heard that message of 1 Corinthians 3. But the goal is this. I just reiterate, let's not be moved by guilt. Let's not be moved by this kind of hammer weighing over our head. Let's be moved by the joy that we get to hear God say, well done. Because that's what we're living for, right? That audience of one, wanting to hear him say, well done, and living a life on purpose, on intent. That's why I love our mission so much. It really simply reminds us of living lives rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds. 
And I think the more that we just keep giving focus to that mission, the more we are going to live a life that indeed, like people have shared today, is going to be rewarded. So there's 30 seconds on that. Thanks for sharing, though. All right, Thomas, coming up. Why don't you turn around so people can see you? Uh, I'm Tom Fletcher, and I want to say um, that what I appreciate about Todd is the consistency because this isn't the first time that I've heard him talk about a phrase that he has used before, rescued to rescue. And um, it has brought up several things in my heart over the last three or four months. And one of the passages that I keep coming back to is out of Philippians 2. And it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And part of the working out of the salvation is understanding that phrase of I'm rescued to be a rescuer. Not that I save anybody, that I tell people what the truth is. And this whole series for me has just been really convicting because the people in my relational world um, need Jesus. Uh, I teach in a public school system and my coworkers, my students, they need the Lord. And I don't need to Bible thump at them. I just need to be authentic and be real. And um, I relate it to also for one other reason. Um, There's a pastor, I don't remember exactly where he preaches, but his name is Francis Chan. And he he showed um, an illustration really well. He had a big, long rope. And on the end of the rope was a little tiny white piece of tape that he put there. And he says, this is your life. And then he stretches out the rope and he says, this is eternity. And so this little tiny piece of our life is super important. I think somebody said it before. It's like our time here is so short. That's why we need to rescue. That's great. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. All right. Let me tell you this. I'll close this time. Let me tell you why we did this series. It's actually because of you. We were preaching, I think it was back in the Colossians series, and whatever we were on that particular day had something related to, again, the idea of eternity, and I think that of judgment. And I remember just asking in the room how many, like when we hear today churches that will talk about hell, they seem to be few and far between. Because it just is an uncomfortable topic. We don't want to offend people. It just walks it out. But, but here's what I learned that day in a really powerful way is that I asked you, how many of you in your response to the gospel and your coming to Jesus, how many of you was the reality when you understood that there was going to be an eternity apart from Jesus, apart from God, if you did not respond to the gospel, how many of you was that a motivator? I had you raise your hand and in every service, over half of our hands went up. That just spoke volumes to me about the reason why we need to keep heaven and hell in front of people is because it was so important for you. Why would we think it won't be more so important to others, especially those in your world that you're inviting and are a part, becoming a part of Trinity Church? We want them to hear that truth so that it does the thing it's meant to do, motivate them to make decisions now in the present while they can. So here's what I want us to do. Take a look up at the screens. I wanted us to uh, have a moment today to be able to kind of focus our attention on the people in our worlds who haven't yet responded to the gospel. And what we're going to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity with me to kind of in community pray a prayer for just a person. So this is what I want you to do. 
Tom just mentioned it. Think of someone in your relational world, someone that your heart is burdened for, that you're relatively confident has not yet put their faith in Christ. And just one name. You, you probably have many, but just think of one, whether it's a family member, a coworker, um, whether it's someone that's a neighbor, whoever it might be, get that name and that face in your mind. And what we're going to do is as we read this prayer together, I'm going to have you insert their name every time you get to that blank space. Now, because I don't know if the person you're going to choose is either male or female, that's why we have a his or her. I had to read this all out loud last hour and I bumbled it through. So I'm going to do my best to remember I'm praying for a guy and I'm going to say his, but you're welcome to pray for a her and we'll try to read it together. And, and don't feel weird about the fact I'm praying, but my eyes aren't closed. I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Okay. So pray out loud with us, stay in tune, but here's what we wanted to do. We wanted to create space today where you could take time, even in our service, because you've heard it before. Tom said it well, we don't save anyone. But God uses us. That's the incredible privilege and kind of mind-blowing part of it. God wants to use us in this amazing partnership, 2 Corinthians 5, to be his ambassadors to our worlds. And so I want you to pray for someone that you're an ambassador to. And when that comes up, just say their name and we'll read through it together. Okay, let's read together. Let's begin. Father, in light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray for that you would remove his heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh, a sensitivity and interest in who you are and his need for you alone. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that would see how much you love him and that you didn't want heaven without him, so you brought heaven down in the person of Jesus. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that would discover that he was built for so much more than this life on this planet, but that the deep eternal longings that he has evidences that he was designed for an eternity with you. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that would no longer be blinded by the God of this world who keeps him from seeing the goodness of God demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that you would awaken so that he would have the ability that he, to admit that he is a sinner, to believe that Jesus is the only Savior available, and to choose to place his faith and trust in what Jesus has already accomplished for him. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that I would have an ever-deepening relationship with It could be a person of influence that he would both see the redemptive, transforming work of Jesus in my life and hear of the opportunity to experience now and forever the abundant life that Jesus came to offer him. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that there would be a vast number of allies in Jesus who would surround with prayer and love and witness of the great love of God demonstrated in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In light of the reality of both heaven and hell, I pray that would come to the end of himself so that he could see that you've been there waiting with the forgiveness and love all along, welcoming him into a right relationship with you now and forevermore. Amen.